The man called Legion turned reluctantly away from Jesus, away from the crowds and the disciples and the skeptical religious folk. All he had wanted was to stay right there on the hillside, sitting at the feet of Jesus. After all, that's what disciples did. They sat at the feet of the master, taking in all that they could, learning from their leader. And that's all he wanted now, this man called Legion. Of course, Legion wasn't really his name, but his problems were so many and his suffering was so great that sometimes it felt as though an entire Roman army had invaded him, a whole legion of voices in his head. So that day, when Jesus arrived by boat, the man was half out of his mind. He was chained up and shackled for fear that he would harm himself or someone else. He was naked, ranting. He may have been out of his mind, but this much he knew. Jesus did not belong here. This was Gentile territory, no place for a Jewish rabbi. And the man also knew that he himself had unclean spirits. His whole adult life, he'd suffered from it. He couldn't shake them. Some spirits are life-giving. His were not. His made people cross to the other side of the road so that they wouldn't have to cross his path. His made people wash even though they would never touch him. His forced him to live outside the city in the tombs because the townspeople were afraid of him. He was as unclean as they come. And yet this rabbi, this Jesus, crossed the Sea of Galilee with a purpose, as though he were looking for someone. He showed up in the midst of despair and suffering, And it's not as if the people there had asked him to come. They weren't even particularly religious, not at all, though they certainly believed in their demons. So when Legion confronted Jesus, calling him son of the Most High God, where had that come from, he wondered. He prepared himself for the worst because Things always seem to go from bad to worse for people like him. But what happened next, Jesus commanding the legion of demons to leave his body, flinging them into a herd of pigs who then chased themselves off of a cliff to their death, well, legion never saw that coming. The pig herders ran away scared. But the man, well, everything was different for him now. He covered himself, cleaned himself up, and sat with rapt attention. One might even call it devotion to this rabbi. It was a miracle. It was the most profoundly life-changing thing that could ever happen. Nothing 
would ever be the same, certainly not for him. So he planned on following Jesus everywhere, anywhere Jesus would go. He wanted to be there. He would take in every word that Jesus taught, fetch him water and food, whatever it took just to be near him would be enough. But then the crowd of locals came back, of all things, demanding that Jesus leave. You don't belong here, they said. We don't want you here. You caused our pigs to die. They are our livelihood, they cried. And the man called Legion quietly observed this, wondering why they weren't rejoicing that even though it cost them their pigs, he, who was one of them, was healed. Perhaps they were scared, he thought. But of what? Jesus' authority? His power to heal? Transformation? Well, as the crowd told Jesus to go back where he'd come from, Jesus humbly and compassionately agreed, and he returned to his boat docked offshore. The man, no longer called Legion, begged Jesus to take him with him. Let me be a disciple, he said. I'll follow in your footsteps. But Jesus incredibly said no. Go back to your home, he said, not unkindly. Go back to your people and tell them how much God has done for you. Proclaim it. Make it known over and over again, Jesus said. And then Jesus shoved off. The man watched as Jesus sailed back to Galilee, back to a welcoming crowd of believers, no doubt. They would get to sit at his feet. They would follow him. They might even get to dine with him, he thought. And the man watched with awe and more than a little bit of longing as Jesus' boat faded from view until finally the man turned reluctantly away. Just one thing was asked of him. Go and tell the people how much God has done for you. So his step quickened. He had a lot to tell. Wouldn't it be something if we all had such an extravagant story to tell? I mean, it's not every day that a healing takes place like that, much less one that includes livestock and demons and frantic townspeople. It's like a Broadway musical, or, or maybe even just a snippet in a Monty Python movie. But stories have such an authentic human experience to them, don't they? There is strong evidence, by the way, that suggests that stories are one of the most powerful ways we connect to other people. Jesus knew this. He was the master storyteller. His stories, his parables, are, are some of the greatest gifts that we have in our New Testament accounts of his life. So what's your story? And more importantly, maybe, 
How are you telling it? You know, there's a word that I think we Christians are absolutely terrified of. It's the word evangelize. Man, that's a scary word. I grew up going to church. I consider myself a lifelong Christian. It's just part of who I am. I raised our kids in the church. I pray, I study the Bible. And I realize that even now, as I stand here in an actual pulpit, it might seem crazy, but the word evangelize can terrify me. I think that it might be because as a kid, I lived across the street from Colorado State University in Fort Collins, and every year, a couple times a year, there would be a group of college students who would descend on the surrounding neighborhoods with pamphlets and Bibles in hand to evangelize. They'd stop us on the streets as a kid and ask us if we had been saved. And if we answered yes, then they'd ask a follow-up question. How do you know? <laughs> now that's a really scary question for a six-year-old, let me just say. And at church, we also supported missionaries when I was a kid, and every once in a while, the missionaries would send letters back to the church, oftentimes with photographs of their own children playing in dirt lots in some exotic place far, far away. They were there to evangelize the local native people. And so I thought that to evangelize meant that you had to accost people on the street and pray with them, or you had to move someplace far, far away to convert the natives. And I thought that was pretty bizarre. It was a pretty bizarre way to live. To me, there wasn't anything admirable, admirable about it. I thought it was at best interesting and at worst a little bit weird. But then again, as a kid, anything that was different was at best interesting and a little bit weird, including the E word, evangelize. But I've come to think now of evangelizing, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, which is what that word means. I've come to think of it more as something that just relies heavily on our own stories. Now I want you to hear what Paul said in the letter to the people of Thessalonica. This is the oldest book in the New Testament, by the way. It was written very early on after Jesus' death and resurrection. It was written as Paul and Timothy were founding churches and proclaiming the gospel. And frankly, the people there in Thessalonica were very enmeshed in the culture. And from the sounds of it, they were probably pretty disinterested in being converted. So they had their work cut out for them, these two, but listen to the way that Paul spoke to the people. He says, look, we have been entrusted by God with this message for you, and we could have been throwing our weight around or tried to come across as important, laying down the law with you, but we didn't. He says, we just took you as you were. We were never patronizing or condescending or demanding. And then Paul says this, we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you, Paul writes, that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have been, become very 
dear to us. I mean, that's good. That's really good. Another way of saying this might be, we knew you needed time to absorb all of this, so we thought that the message would make more sense if you just saw us living it out in our lives. We're going to tell you our stories, but we love you too much to just throw it all out there. We're going to let our lives be our story. I think the college students in my hometown could have learned a thing or two from that. But they were focused on the message only, are you saved? And without context, without a story, sometimes a message can get lost. As one writer I know said, what makes the gospel good news is the real life person who has been changed by it. That's you. That's us. We have been changed by the gospel. And the only real chance we have at helping others to change, helping them to find a sense of peace and joy that we know has made us better people, better wives, better husbands, better daughters, better friends, employees, business owners, parents, the only way that we can help others is by sharing our stories. And we do that by letting others see it lived out in our lives. In Romans chapter 10, Paul writes again, there is no difference between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all. Everyone who calls on God shall be saved. But, he writes, how are people to call on God if they've never believed? And how are they to believe if they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim all that God has done? And how are they to proclaim unless they have been sent? Which brings us back to the man called Legion. As he watched Jesus' boat disappear in the sunset, he turned and headed home. Not to the wilderness where he so often ran to escape the demons, not to the tombs where the townspeople had banished him, but truly to his home. He walked with a new confidence, so much so that people in his hometown thought he was a stranger. His family and friends looked at him in disbelief. Here was a man transformed before their very eyes. And while he spoke under the watchful, skeptical eyes, they heard him say, there is absolutely nowhere that God is not willing to go to find you. No place is God forsaken. No person is God forsaken. None of us is unclean, outcast, abandoned, he said. No one is left out. He said all of this with an enthusiasm, but also with a new humility and with compassion. And they knew it to be true, because after all, here was a man, not Jewish, not religious at all, unclean for years, not wealthy, but not poor either, 
not from Galilee, not one bit special. In fact, they couldn't find one condition set forth in order that he should have received God's healing love. Not one. And the man, no longer called Legion, went all through the town proclaiming this good news. See, what makes the gospel good news is the real-life person who's been changed by it. We have opportunities every single day to proclaim that good news, simply by the way we live our lives, lives that say, trust me, I'm changed. I'm different. I do things differently. You be you, but I'm going to be me. I'm going to act in love. I'm going to hope for miracles. I'm going to fight for justice for people who can't fight for themselves. I'm going to care for the most vulnerable among us. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to rely on God more than people. I'm going to pray without ceasing. I'm going to listen for that still, small voice that leads, and I'm going to follow. I'm going to listen with compassion, and I'm going to seek understanding. That's how I'm going to live out the good news of the gospel. I'm going to let everyone see through my actions and my very life that Jesus is powerful and life-changing, and that following him makes me and those around me joyful and happy and new. And I'm going to be willing to go places that I never imagined because my heart is open and my mind is willing, and I can show up with the confidence of the Holy Spirit talking and leading and moving through me. So we allow ourselves to be transformed by receiving God's mercy and grace, by following God's Son, Jesus, by telling and showing others how our lives have been made new. We do it by continually seeking conversion over and over again. Not one and done, but always seeking, what's next? How can I do this better, God? How can I draw closer to you? What do you want from me next? I screwed this up, but make me better again. We claim our salvation over and over again. And as we do, we show the world what salvation looks like. We proclaim it. We give credit where credit is due. And then we let God do the real work of saving souls. And so now the word evangelize isn't quite so scary to me because all it really means is to show up wherever people are and show them what it means to be a Christian. Use words when necessary, as St. Francis so famously said, but show up with your love. Christians, our best story is love. So go and declare how much God has done for you. Amen. <laughs>